Good morning. It is always a privilege to be here at St. Joseph's and provide the homily at the invitation of Father Wilcox. But before getting started, I want to teach you a few pilgrim words from the Camino de Santiago, which we will come back to later. For now, I just want you to know them so we can hear and repeat them as a form of greeting. The first is Buen Camino. The second is Altrea. When I call out to you the greeting Buen Camino, I want you to reply with Altrea. So we're going to practice just a little bit before getting started. So Buen Camino. Altrea. Buen Camino. Altrea. Buen Camino. Altrea. Okay, now remember that, and we're going to come back to that a little later. Today is an extra special opportunity as it is the Feast of St. James the Greater. And I have a special devotion to St. James, also known as Santiago. Today, being the Feast of St. James, brings with it a few things I'd like to point out. Being a feast day, falling on a Sunday, means that it is a holy year of St. James. All around the world, those parishes, religious orders, societies, and the like, which have St. James the Greater as a patron, are marking today as a solemnity. Which means that rather than the color of the day being red, as you see in the predominance of the vestments today, those locations and those society and order members wear celebratory colors. Places such as the Cathedral of Santiago in Santiago de Compostela, are allowed to open their mercy doors for the duration of the year to be a sign of a special dispensation of grace for those pilgrims entering the Cathedral, Basilica, or parish so designated. St. James the Greater was the first apostle martyr. He's the second martyr after uh, St. Stephen the deacon. He's the first apostle martyr killed, as we heard in the reading from the Acts of the Apostles by Herod Agrippa, and that was in the year A.D. 44. And that martyrdom is the reason for the red vestments and altar linens in predominant use today. An interesting thing about St. James is that he actually has three feast days. Today, the 25th of July, that is among Roman Catholics, Anglicans, and a few others. There is also the Feast of St. James on the 30th of April among our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Orthodox churches and those that celebrate according to the Byzantine rite. And then there is also the 30th of December among those Christians who celebrate the liturgy according to the Masoretic rite. That makes three feasts of St. James the Greater. Now, other than Jesus and Mary, that might be a record for feast days all dedicated to a single saint. So who is this St. James? To begin, James was the brother of John and they were both the sons of Zebedee. They were commercial fishermen who dropped their nets at the call of Jesus to follow him and become fishers of men. James and John, along with Peter, were part of the inner circle of disciples That means they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw Elijah and Moses appear with Jesus, representing the reality that all of the law and all of the prophets 
had been fulfilled in the person of Christ. They were the ones that could not stay awake even an hour as Jesus prayed and under the stress of the circumstances of the time and the pending crucifixion sweat blood in the garden in preparation for His about-to-occur arrest, His scourging, and His public execution by crucifixion in front of all those witnesses. Now, based on some cross-referencing with information that we have in the Gospel of Mark, added to what we read today in the Gospel according to Matthew, it is believed that they are the sons of Salome, who was the sister of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which means they were the cousins of Jesus. Apart from being a disciple who, with the other disciples, became an apostle sent to spread the Gospel, the Bible tells us little else about St. James other than to document in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts his being killed as the first apostle to be martyred, killed at the hand of Herod Agrippa, and as we heard, by his own sword. His martyrdom being foreshadowed in the passage of the Gospel we read a short while ago, where Jesus asked, Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink, indicating his death at the hands of the authorities. James and John said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, You will drink my cup. Yes, James, you too will be killed at the hands of the authorities. The question then becomes, what did James do during those 11 years between Jesus' crucifixion on the 3rd of April, A.D. 33, and James' own execution in the year A.D. 44. The tradition of the church has been that James spent at least a portion of that time on a missionary journey to the Iberian Peninsula, what is now Spain and Portugal. And this belief of James' missionary efforts in Spain has something to teach us today. Spain was a pagan land. Unlike Jerusalem and throughout Judea, where there was already some common ground and understanding about God for those who were doing their missionary work there locally, any faith practiced in Spain was directly opposite of that of the newly commissioned apostles sent to spread the gospel. The attempts to convert the people of the Iberian Peninsula proved to be exceedingly difficult and a seemingly impossible task. St. James was facing what seemed to be a completely insurmountable obstacle in the pagan faith of the people there on the Iberian Peninsula. How could he convert a population that was so adamantly against the gospel message, who already believed something that was completely counter to the idea of one God and a personal Savior? It was a mission that showed almost no visible results. I have to ask, how many of you have had such experiences? You're motivated to do something right, motivated to do something for the Lord, maybe something grand, maybe something more simple. But either way, Satan does not want you to be successful in doing anything which is right and soon begins to fight against your efforts. This happens to nearly everybody. 
If you speak to jest about anybody who's been in ministry for a period of time, you're going to hear many stories of utter frustration and a readiness to give up. We all face at one point or another obstacles that appear to stop us in our tracks and to prevent any progress. If a trusted friend, a mentor, a fellow laborer in God's harvest field does not step in and provide encouragement, then the frustrated Christian, whether a member of laity or a member of clergy, is at real risk of quitting and allowing Satan a victory. This is the point I believe St. James was approaching there in Spain with only a few converts in a vast land of pagans opposed to the gospel. At this point in the year A.D. 40, the tradition of the church teaches that the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to James in Spain to encourage him in his efforts, telling him that he is, in fact, being faithful and the work will bring many into the kingdom of God. As a result, St. James continued his missionary efforts in Spain until he ultimately returned to Jerusalem for the sake of witnessing the assumption of the Blessed Mary into heaven. While back in Jerusalem, St. James was betrayed by a man named Josiah, resulting in his arrest and execution, as we have heard earlier, at the hand of Herod Agrippa. But this is not the end of the story. Through the missionary efforts accomplished in Spain, Spain indeed became a Christian nation. St. James' evangelistic efforts did bring many souls into the kingdom of God, and it did not stop there. His remains were returned to Spain, and his burial place in Compostela became the location of a grand cathedral, and soon people began walking to Santiago de Compostela to see the relics of the great apostle and saint and seek his intercessions before the Lord. And St. James still motivates people. There has been a steady stream of pilgrims to Santiago de Compostela ever since. It is such a steady stream of pilgrims that the route to the cathedral is called the Camino de Santiago, the Way of St. James. Today, men and women of all ages walking the ancient pilgrim path, the Way of St. James, continue to seek something. Now, some know what they seek to be drawn closer to God and, and achieve a closer relationship and a better spiritual life for their spirit and soul. Others are not sure. They only know that there is something that draws them to make the pilgrimage. Either way, when they travel the way, they are headed to the cathedral. They're headed to where the where at the pilgrim's mass the priest will welcome them in the name of Christ and assure the pilgrim that Jesus welcomes them all the more. Before they arrive there, however, they will have spent days walking with each other and greeting each other. And now we will return to the words I had you practice earlier. There are two pilgrim greetings in the way of St. James, the Camino de Santiago. The first is Buen Camino, meaning good way. The other is Altrea. Formally, it simply means beyond, just the one word. But really, when it is spoken, it means keep going. Do not give up. The interchange of pilgrims can be heard over the hundreds of miles of the way of St. James. Buen Camino, good way, one pilgrim calls. Altrea, keep going. Don't give up. 
the other pilgrim replies. And these are perfect phrases to honor St. James, Santiago. He was in Spain calling out, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the buen camino. And when facing overwhelming opposition, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared and encouraged him, Altrea, keep going, don't give up. And for us, here, far distant from both Spain and Jerusalem, these greetings are now synonymous with St. James. They are equally valid. Why? Because we are each, every one of us, pilgrims. Long before the words pilgrim and pilgrimage came to mean physically traveling to a sacred location, pilgrimage simply meant the life we live. St. Augustine opens his amazing book, The City of God, in the very first sentence with a greeting to his son. In this work, my dearest Marcellinus, I have taken up the task of defending the most glorious city of God, whether in the course of these present times, when it is on pilgrimage among the ungodly, living by faith, or in the stability of its eternal home, which it now awaits in patience. Augustine reflects the original understanding of pilgrimage when he writes about being on pilgrimage among the ungodly. That is our living the lives of Christians among the unconverted. To the city of God, that is heaven, where our true citizenship is. All Christians are on pilgrimage. And as, as a fellow pilgrimage, as a fellow pilgrim, I wish you, Buen Camino, a good way, the way. Choose the good way, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. To do so, however, is to pick up our crosses and follow him, to walk in his way. To do that means self-sacrifice, challenges, and frequently not knowing if we are being successful. Knowing these difficulties and facing them myself, as a fellow pilgrim, I urge you, Altrea, keep going. Don't give up. Jesus assures us in the Gospels that those who persevere to the end will be saved. We are the mystical body of Christ, united by our faith on this pilgrimage journey of faith together until we finally reach our destination in the kingdom of God. So then, let us encourage one another. Buen camino. Let us pray. St. James, Apostle, chosen among the first, you were the first to drink the cup of the Master, and you are the great protector of pilgrims. Make us strong in faith and happy in hope. On their pilgrim's journey, following the path of Christian life, and sustain us so that we may finally reach the glory of God the Father. Amen.